Welcome to episode 35 of the Camera Shake podcast, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything that's got anything to do with photography, making photos, uh, videography, and so on and so forth. Um, you can find us on Instagram. It's at Camera Shake Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, clearly. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do so because we want to make it to um, 100 subscribers. We're um, a few away from that just yet. But once we hit 100, we can actually name our channel and give it a custom name. I don't know why they do that, but that's just the way it is. So if you haven't subscribed, do that. Um, alternatively, um, listen to the audio version on Apple Podcast um, and where else? Spotify, Amazon, and so on and so forth. So that being said, it's episode 35. It Here is. Yeah. Cool. How's things? Exhausted. Exhausted. <laughs> Aren't I always? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, good, 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 good. It's just busy. It's just uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks, and we got a busy, uh, obviously Christmas coming up in in due course. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be watching this episode on uh, December the twenty mm -hmm. fourth, I believe, Christmas Eve, right? Mm -hmm. That would be this one, right? So, um, huh. so you'll be watching this on Christmas. We're pre-recording a whole bunch of episodes um, early in the month, and mainly because we have some really awesome guests lined up. Yeah. Some of which you would have already seen by the time um, this episode goes live, and some of which you'll be seeing in the next couple of weeks um, uh, after Christmas. So that will give us a little bit of a Christmas break, yep. um, really. And um, and yeah, and we would have we would have talked to a, a whole bunch of really interesting yeah. people. Like early December really is the only time to get interviews in when they've got Christmas to to have them. As well, right? <laughs> what I said, yeah. I mean, that's that's one. That was one consideration. The other thing is, um, it's kind of it feels a little bit weird talking about Christmas like this early on. <laughs> but we did have already set up. That's as Christmas as it Christmassy as my flat's yeah. got. Uh, well, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, we haven't actually we haven't done any decorating yet. There's no tree. Right. Uh, well, you know, mainly because it's been such a busy term, really. Yeah. Uh, but also because I'm a little bit concerned that the dog will destroy any. Christmas decoration that we'll you put up. You can guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. I remember the first year I got um, I got uh, one of my cats, and so she was you know, just a few months old, had a fake tree at the time, and she decided, and she only did it this one year, never again after that. Mm. She climbed into the fake tree all the way up it mm. and sat on the thinnest, thinnest plastic branch that you could find on there and just sat there for about an hour and a half, just <laughs> looking out. <laughs> too heavy now to do yeah. that fatty well we had a couple of years ago we had a, a real tree for the first time in ages mm -hmm. i'll um, never go back yeah it's a uh, you know I, I really enjoyed it it's kind of what i remember from my childhood yeah you know, yeah that's before plastic was invented that's that's how long ago <laughs> that was um but yeah i really like um like real trees it's you know it's it's been easier it's just more convenient to have a plastic tree i think yeah you know uh you can put it in a loft you don't have to go out and you know get a new tree and blah blah, blah and all that mm -hmm. make decisions you know is it is the tree too fat at the bottom or is it too tall or is it going to fit or this and that and the other it's decision get, time get the shears out man and well trim it that's i always it. cut the bottom of mine the top often has to come off as well a little bit because so, you know i remember i remember this like every every year like when i was a kid um and you know my parents would get a christmas tree and it would usually be my dad who would go out 
and find like a Christmas tree farm or something and buy a tree. And then he'd come back and there'd be always some, some, something was never hundred percent right with the tree. Either it was too skinny and too tall or it was too fat and too round or whatever. I wouldn't like fit in the corner that, you know, was like dedicated to the tree or whatever, you know, it's always something. Did you, uh, did you, I, I, you must have, did you ever watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I probably have like years ago. With Chevy Chase. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, goes out and cuts it down his own tree and it's yeah. just way too big. Yeah. It breaks the windows. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Love that film. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's how our Christmas, our family Christmas seemed to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's what that reminded me of. Um, but yeah, so for the last few years, I mean, with the exception of last year, was it last year or the year before we had a real tree? Um, yeah. So plastic trees is, is where it's been at. But, yeah. yeah, like I said, I mean, this this year might be no tree. No tree. I'm, I'm going no tree. I can't be bothered, if I'm honest with you. This yeah. year's been so crap that, yeah, there's, there's part of me that says, oh, then I should really make an effort to try and make it feel a bit more... You know, yeah. normal and whatnot, but I'm just writing it off if I'm honest. Humbug. It's been, you know, what what's been really difficult is that it's been difficult to plan anything because you don't. It's yeah. like everything's moving, yeah. so like everything's changing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, one day you can do one thing and then you can't do. It's like I don't know. One, one time you can meet people and you can't meet people, and then you can see family and you can't, and then this. It's just like, you know, I mean, I think the one thing I can be fairly certain of is that like my mom is not going to be able to fly over from Germany. Yeah, I can't see that happening. Um, so, you know, and who knows? I mean, who knows where we'll be by the time Christmas comes along? Yeah. So, um, so I think we've kind of resigned ourselves to it just being, you know, a very small, like us kind of family Christmas, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You know, so I think board games are going to be the order of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but I tell you what's funny actually or what's, what's difficult is really to find to actually to find something to do that we can do with a puppy around right like my wife had some really great ideas um, because a few years ago we had this massive puzzle it was like a world map you know puzzle mm-hmm. it was huge it was like I don't even know how many thousands of pieces um, but it was it was nuts it was like it took up the whole um, dining room table and it, it took like a good few weeks um, to complete and what was cool was like you know Sometimes we'd spend a few hours on it as a family. Sometimes it would be just me. You know, sometimes it's like you kind of walk past and you just, you know, have a couple of minutes and you just go, oh, yeah, peace goes there. And so over the course of like, I don't know, three or four weeks, we completed the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a fun thing. Um, it was cool to just have it there and, you know, over the holidays and just, you know, um, kind of complete it at a slow pace. It was like a family activity. Um, but this time, of course, with a, you know, six month six month old puppy you can't leave anything lying around like all these pieces are going to get eaten yeah so, you know, yeah puzzles out of the question you'll have nothing in the mo- monopoly board left yeah it's uh, i mean that's you know that's the problem so um so we're going to kind of figure something else out um yeah i don't even know i know that like i don't even know whether we're gonna have a turkey or anything it's just you know really well because we're not usually we have a big family christmas type of thing um, and it's worth, you know, investing in like a, in, into a big turkey, but this time it's, it's just all yeah. different. So well, I've got, um, I'm going over to my, my, my mom's and my, my brother and his family are coming over as well. Mm. So we're going all the meats, gammon, turkey, ah, beef, nice. boom, sweet. Yours truly cooking it all. Nice. 
Cool. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Awesome. Well, this, uh, for, for those of you who are listening uh, from further um, afield, this is sort of the traditional Christmas in the UK. It's basically turkey and gammon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it honey rose gammon or something? What is it? Is that yeah, yeah. All, all of that. Yeah. Cooked in Coke. And so, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good, though, man. Yeah. Yeah, I used to, I used to, uh, I used to put steaks in Coke. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and then put them in the barbecue. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's great, man. If you put, yeah, steaks in Coke. And leave them like for well, overnight or something. I haven't had lunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That or uh, or Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. That works. That works pretty well too. I did uh, with a friend. We did a couple of mates years and years years ago. We did um, Jägermeister coated ribs. Right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Man. Barbecue them. Fantastic. Yeah, works well. Beer generally works well. Guinness, I've heard, mm-hmm. works well. I haven't tried that, but uh, yeah, Coke used to be the like the standard. Um, yeah, or, or or JD. Mm-hmm. That would always work. All right, no more food. Nah. Stop, 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 know, stop, stop. Too hungry. Um, too hungry. Yeah. So, um, so that is the. So, if you're listening from from anywhere uh, outside of the UK, you know, get in touch and let us let us know what your traditional Christmas festivities are, uh, or do you celebrate Christmas at all, or not? Um, that'd be interesting to hear. Do you celebrate on um, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? So in, in Germany, they um, celebrate on Christmas Eve primarily. In fact, a lot of Europe do. Yeah. So in so in Germany, where my mom lives and where I grew up when I was a kid, um, so we celebrate on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve is a big thing. Yeah. Somehow we've managed to talk about Christmas for twenty minutes. <laughs> so he's like weeks from Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Should we talk about something photography related? Yeah. Okay. Cool. For, Why not? This just is for a change. Yeah. This is this this isn't a uh, <laughs> Christmas shake. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, amazing. It's you know it's it's good though because we've been um we we're, we've been interviewing um quite a lot of guests recently. Oh, yeah. So it's been great. It's been awesome. But we haven't done one of these episodes for. No, a while. I've forgotten how to do it. Yeah. Um clearly. And uh and today also, I mean, because we're we're um because we're recording so far in advance, it's almost like there's almost no there's no real you know, point in like talking about any any tech kind of stuff because by the time this this will eventually air, it's like no longer relevant. Or yeah, everyone's exactly. already heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we talk about Olympus now. That they probably most likely won't even exist anymore by the time this comes <laughs> out. You know, so let's not do that. <laughs> so, um, but but yeah. So but yeah. So photography. There's there's a couple of things we can talk about. Okay, um, let's do it. So one of the things we did. Um, uh, a couple of days ago, was we went on our first little street photography trip, mm. which was very cool. That was awesome. Yeah. What great fun that was! Yeah, it's cold to start with. Yeah, sun came out, everything got good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. We went to um, so we went to Brighton, mm. um, and we got up ridiculously early to get down there, um, hit some traffic. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we went around for well, we were there all day, weren't we? In the end, mm-hmm. left must have left. Uh, it was after dark anyway when we when we when we left. And but what was interesting about this particular trip is that when we got there, we kind of made made the decision that the shots that we we're going to take that day mm. were going to be primarily black and white. Yeah. So having to get your eye in for the type of shots for black and white is just ever so slightly different. And I've not really gone out with that intention of taking black and white photos before. Mm. And 
you do have to think slightly differently about the shots you're taking. You mm. do want a shot that's going to have a high degree of contrast in there, within the shot, before mm. you then go and edit it, in that, yeah. potentially in that style anyway. And it, it's different. It is different. My issue I've always had with black and white is that it's almost been used by a lot of people to correct a bad colour photo. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. And that, I think that's why I've kind of shied away from it a little bit is because I don't want to do that. But when you go out with the intention of taking a black and white photo, mm. it's different. feels different. Well, i tell you what, what I found interesting was that, um, well, first of all, going on a little trip, you know, we've, I think we've spent so much time working from home and, you know, being you know, being sort of limited in, in, in what we can do and where we can go. And like, you know, it was just, and, you know, we've been, we've been working with the two of us, we've been working very hard on a, on a completely unrelated project, which is uh, for the, mm. um, the music side that we do. Um, we've had to, uh, there's been a lot of editing um, of, a, of a Christmas project uh, that's been going on. And it was just, we just, I, I felt like we just had to take a day where we just kind of, grabbed our cameras and just went out and like did nothing but yeah. spend a day just taking photos, right? Um, get some air. Get some air, yeah. See exactly. some people Yeah, around, exactly. You know? Well, just actually just you know? get outside, you know. Um, and it was cold because we were outside all day, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what really, uh, what I found interesting was that we, you know, we, we had a game plan, mm-hmm. you know, for this. Yeah. One was to say like, okay, we're going to limit ourselves. So we're not going to take, you know, three bodies and, 20 lenses or something, you know, but we actually literally just went and stripped the whole thing down. Like I had my Fuji, you know, F100 and that was it. Like no interchangeable lenses, just one focal length. That was it. The thing was set to black and white and that, yeah, it was all go. Yeah. Um, and I was really, on one hand, it was as limiting as it could possibly be from a photographic point of view. But on the other side, of course, you're not dragging a lot of gear around. Mm-hmm. So it's actually freeing on the other, you know, on the other side as well. Um, because, you know, you don't feel like, you know, you can literally be out all day and not feel like you've been dragged down or you're carrying like, you know, this, this load on your back all the time. So, um, so that was interesting. But what I've noticed with, uh, when you focus on black and white photography is that you really, you really start to hone in on the light because you're, you're losing all the color distraction, mm-hmm. right? All that color information is gone. You're really just focusing on the lights and the darks. And w- what I did on the advice of, one of our guests that we I'm not even sure whether you would have seen this or not, but I'm not going to give too much away at this point. I'm confused <laughs> as where we are. But um, um, so what I did was I set, um, I, I set my, I set the Fuji up to really give me extreme shadows and extreme highlights. So it was basically pushing, it was like pulling um, the dynamic range as far mm, apart as, mm-hmm. it, as possible. So w- the feedback that I would get on the on the JPEG was basically the darks would be extremely dark and the and the highlights would be extremely bright, sort of thing. And what that does is it starts making you look at where the light is, you know. And and so even before you take the picture, you just you you sense where the light is, or where it's going to be, and you're looking for these kind of these pockets of light everywhere. Um, and that's what I found really interesting. So it's really, really different from just taking a camera and walking around and, and shooting a scene or something like that. Um, and then once you found that strip of light, let's say, or that pocket of light, you actually then have to wait for something interesting to happen in that scene. Like 
a person walking through that or something like that. And that would mean sometimes you'd have to literally stand there for a few minutes, minutes, and just and wait for that to for that to actually happen. And it's you know, it, so it, it's a different, completely different process. Yeah. Um, and it was super uh, enjoyable actually doing that. Yeah, it was. You know, and um, and also, yeah, it was just fun actually just to kind of go out with a you know with a camera and just yeah spend a day doing that. Yeah. Um, because the, I think the main difference for me personally is that normally when I shoot something, you know, I, I'm controlling everything. I'm controlling the light, and I'm, you know, I'm in a I'm in a setup where I can I have control over all of that. Um, but literally having to scan the environment for opportunities was uh, you know that was very different. It really does train your eye. That's what I found. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think by the end of the day, um, I. I found, I found that, uh, yeah, I, I found that like I'd learned a lot, you know, already in like how to kind of how to find these these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And also the other thing, of course, that happened was that throughout the day, um, it was getting, you know, it started out with like really bright sunshine, and so you get these, we got these hard shadows basically, and then throughout the day it overcast um, a little bit, and then all of a sudden everything was soft. So the light. Towards the end of the day, it was very different from the light uh, before noon different. or something. Um, and of course, that really changes how you approach your your photography with that. Um, the very very start of that day, where it was super harsh, was actually really difficult to control. Yeah, I, I, I found it very difficult to get my exposure right at the very very start of the day. Then that, you know, it start it wasn't getting overcast, but the position of the sun was changing a little bit, and the intensity mm-hmm. dropped a little, and it suddenly became. A little easier because mm. I guess it must be just the positioning, but um, yeah. light was showing up all over the place then. Yeah, and it's great you could take lots of different shots and get quite a cool shot regardless because of the way the light was was falling. Yeah. But then, as you say, that afternoon after lunch, it was so overcast that it was, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. We'll see how many shots come out of that, but um, probably not as many as the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's. See, I found that with, you know, with that extreme um, shadow or you know, extreme mm-hmm. sunlight in the in the mornings, um, you literally had to wait. Like I said earlier, you had to wait for something to happen in that pocket of light. Yeah. Like you had to wait for somebody to cross or you know, some you know, something um, to to go on in there. Because otherwise, it's just otherwise it's relatively bo- it's a boring picture of like a building or something. Yeah. And I think that's you know that's uh, that was another uh, real kind of. Um, learning experience as far as street photography is concerned it's it's actually what you're really photographing is you know actions this mm-hmm. some kind of action has to take place in there and there are numerous ways as to how you can depict action you know you could I don't know, you could do anything from panning shots to just waiting for a subject or whatever you could even follow a subject around if that wasn't weird but you know um but you you get that kind of you develop that over time you develop that sense um of what is about to happen. Like you see somebody kind of almost like getting ready to cross the road and you see this pocket of light in the middle of the street and you kind of go, okay, I'm going to position myself here. I'm just, I, I can almost tell that this person is going to cross over there and I'm going to be ready. I'm just going to be waiting for that to happen. So you kind of, you know, you, de- you develop that, that's a foresight, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. a little bit. And then that moment where they don't quite do what you wanted them to do and you go, oh, you absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Then you just, you know, you sit around and wait. But I think this is the this is the thing. It just turns into this waiting game. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. you kind of have to have that 
maybe develop that little bit of patience, you know, for, for that shot to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, a lot of the time, there were some accidental finds, you know, like we came across uh, some murals on, on like uh, the side of, of buildings or like mm. some shop fronts that looked really interesting. You know, like there was a flower shop, for instance, that was a really, that looked really interesting. Yeah. You know, and of course we like, you know, we were in a sense approaching it like tourists in yeah. that we didn't yeah, know yeah. the area very well. Yeah. Um, but I think where it becomes super interesting is when you, you know, when you get to know an area and you get to know, you know, I think once you get an area, but once you get to know an area so well that you can say like, okay, well, in this in this street, at this time of day, with this kind of weather, the sun is going to peek through these buildings and it's mm-hmm. going to, you know, and so you know when to be a, in, in what space, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To take to take these shots. That's really when it gets interesting. And of course, under normal circumstances, um, you know, London would be a perfect place for that. Um, I mean, the reason why we decided to go to the coast rather than London was because... I don't know. Just, I, you know, I don't think we felt particularly safe mm-hmm. going to yeah. London because you know, things are happening. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, it just seemed like a safer bet. Uh, plus, actually, going to the coast was nice. Seeing the seaside was cool. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, and also, of course, I mean, I realized that uh, you know, I hadn't been, I hadn't seen a beach in like over a year. Oh, it makes me sad. Yeah, it's, you know, living on an island. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, with, like, the whole, like, COVID and everything, uh, 2020, not a chance. That's good. So have you managed to look back at, um, look for any of the shots that you took? Um, any standouts? Well, there's a couple that I think will be cool. I haven't had a chance to edit everything. Um, but so what, what I did was, on the Fuji, I shot uh, RAW and JPEG. And so um, Fuji has some really cool um, kind of color profiles. And and what happens is it bakes that color profile into the JPEG, but then it, it recalls the raw in color. I mean, in my case, I said I used the black and white um, kind of preset that I created. and um, But it's still, the, the raw will still be recorded in full yeah. color and whatever. And then you can, you can go back afterwards and, you know, decide what you want to do with that. Um, and so, I mean, there may be some shots that I may go back to and I kind of think, well, maybe that might actually work in color or not. But actually, you know, all the JPEGs are um, black and white. What I'm going to do, and I'm going to have to look into that, um, is I want to look at the color profile that's baked into the JPEG and then start editing the RAW and see how much more flexible the RAW is when I convert that into black and white, and when I make that look like the Fuji color profile on the JPEG. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try it just for fun. I'm just going to try and get that as close as possible and then see if, A, if that's even possible, and secondly, uh, if there's even more flexibility in the RAW. Like, you know, if you can make things, if you can pull things apart a little mm-hmm. bit more, or mm-hmm. you know, because you have a little bit more um, flexibility on that. That being said... Of course, one of the things I hear all the time is that people say like, well, actually, you know, uh, you've got enough flexibility in the JPEG alone to, you know, make alterations and stuff. So I just want to see what what, what the sort of workflow could be. In other words, does it make sense to shoot both 
raw and JPEG? Or can I actually forget about raw? And would it be okay to, you know, to only focus on the JPEGs? Or not, or what? You know, so that's the kind of thing I'm yeah. I'm not 100 yeah. percent um convinced about. And this is really also something I think that's very specific to the camera that, that you're using. Because yeah. you were using your Nikon yeah. for the most part, maybe totally different on that. Those. Yeah. Um and you know yeah, it was an opportunity to kind of get to for me to familiarize myself with that particular Fuji camera um, as well a little bit in this situation because I hadn't really used it for street photography in that sense. Uh, and certainly not for like all out black and white. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um, I do, you know what I expect is, is that some shots are going to be cool. Some shots are going to be, nah, some shots are going to be rubbish. And, um, and then we'll just see what the takeaway is from that. Yeah, exactly. For next time, you know, yeah. I've been for a, quite a number of mine already, and, and pretty much that. Some have come out really, really cool. Mm. A lot more than I expected, yeah. uh, which was great. Some are like, oh, that's, that's all right. I'd still be happy sharing that. And some of you go, you know, I'm just going to delete that. <laughs> I yeah. don't. I leave it there, but yeah. text off and just I, I don't look at that. And I've edited mm. a few as well, which was really interesting. Mm. Oh, as I said, said earlier, I've always kind of shied away from black and white, so it editing these in black and white was quite a different experience for mm. me. So, you know, I did some research and, 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 uh, and whatnot, and it was a lot of fun. Mm. It was a lot of fun editing these. And I, I went through three or four different kind of versions of a, on a few of these to slightly different styles. And, you know, I wanted yeah. to save what I'd previously done just in case I, I you know, just see what I liked, you know, mm. try out a different thing. I tried some matte looking kind of, um, versions mm-hmm. some Ansel Adams style real high contrast stuff and mm-hmm. which is kind of what I've ended up settling on as my favorite yeah for right at the minute mm-hmm. and you know uh yeah learned something about um Lightroom which I hadn't previously been using and simple holding down alt and moving your black and white slider oh really okay so <laughs> simple yeah and I'd never really got to grips with that for whatever reason before yeah Makes all the difference, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> really simplifies that process, yeah. um, and and yeah, things like that, and using a lot of filters and um, not filters, um, masks and yeah. um, brushes all over the place for it to mm. make it interesting to manipulate the light in the in in that particular photo. And mm. I loved every second of it. Yeah, you can do so much more than I think I realized you could do with a black and white photo. Yeah. See, uh, you know. This whole experience really made me thinking, or made me think, um, got me thinking about different ways of simplifying things. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, you know, I thought, you know, we we focused on simplifying the process of taking the photo, mm-hmm. as in like, you know, one camera, one lens, um, very simple setup, you know, I would just basically walk around and take, take pictures and everything. Um, and then I kind of thought, well, what if you know, you can really, really get the process to the point where you literally don't even worry about post-processing. Like, mm-hmm. you literally, it's like, you know, shooting on film. You basically, yep. um, it pretty much is what it is, you know, right there and then. And uh, and that's why I was interested in changing the, or adapting the, the color profile in, in the Fuji, um, you know, at source, essentially, um, because I wanted to see how, 
how good out of the camera I could get those images mm -hmm. to 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 mm -hmm. be. You know, um, and the one thing I've always found with that particular camera is that this, the rear screen I actually think is really good um, and it's really nice and full and contrasty. And often what's happened is the images on the screen actually look better to me than they did <laughs> when I then had them on the computer, right? <laughs> So there's a danger there because you can think yeah. like, oh, that looks cool. And then when you put it on a computer, you're going to go, oh, no, it doesn't. Um, and then, of course, you're going to go in and do a lot of stuff to it in, in post. I mean, you've got Nikon where who knows what that screen's actually showing you. It <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could well, be anything. There's a, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, so it's, it was kind of uh, trying to get to the point where you can kind of hone it in so that, you know, you can actually get to the point where it's literally, it's that photo. And then... The next step on from that would be to think like, what if we did that with a film camera? Like, what if we actually shot film? Mm. You know, and that then Scary. got me, and that then got me <laughs> thinking about, hey, wouldn't, we, wouldn't it be cool to do that with a Polaroid? <laughs> you know, yeah, and stuff like that. So anyway, so this it's uh, it just you know, in many ways, it just made me think. It forced me to think differently um, about about taking pictures. Yeah. Um, and that's really refreshing and it's cool and it's different um, because it's so different from what, you know, I would normally do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, and then this is why it's so important to go out and do days like that where you're doing something you don't always do. Because you, you will, like you say, will learn you know, one, ten different things on that day. You'll apply that to... Mm. you. Your everyday photography, what you normally do, yeah. you'll be able to apply something that you learn there to that. No, no question, no question. Yeah, and and you know, and I think you can you can uh, vary the limiting factors as well at the beginning. You know, because we, I mean, one of the things that was that we said from the very beginning is like, okay, let's make this a black and white thing. So we're just going to shoot mm. black and white all day. Um, but of course, we could say, okay, well, next time we'll go um, and we'll shoot color because in the evening, I don't know, you remember in the in the evening when the sun came down. Um, there were some amazing colors in the sky. Yeah, that was like, whoa, okay, awesome, you know. And um, and although I've taken some black and white shots uh, of the pier and you know, yeah. and that kind of sky, they look awesome and they're very like Adams Family style, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they really remind me of like images from nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and they look very cool just for that. Uh, but of course, then I did a sneak peek at uh, a couple of the the, the color raws. And some of the colors in the sky are freaking phenomenal. So there, there yeah. is, you know, there's an argument to say, okay, there's some some shots where the color actually really works. Yeah. There were some like it's a cool sky. It was like purples, like there were like pink, lots of pinks, in yeah, there as well, pinks and purples. Yeah. So not yeah. not just the standard kind of reds and oranges and yellows, but also there's like a lot of pink and purple in there, which yeah. was awesome. Push a bit more magenta into that, and you'll be oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, so, know? you know what I mean. It's like um, there were those rich colors, um, and of course you can think, well, you know, it's a good opportunity. I don't know. You did some sort of long exposure stuff. Yeah, I've looked at some of it. Um, yeah. the, the the one I have really looked at is I, I did one because I've been enjoying my light trails lately, and mm. so I took one light trail photo. photo and I, I've switched them to black and white previously, and they just never really worked for me. Mm. But this one particular one that I took that day works really, really well in black. I like the color too. The mm. color looks great. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, the color version looks great with the edits that I've done in black and white. Mm. So literally using the same, exactly the same 
um, you know, highlights and shadows and whatever else I've done, color changes, everything else that I might have done to help the black and white photo, mm. that really works on the color. When you just switch the color as it is, it looks fantastic. Mm. The colors are amazing in it. Mm. Um, but I can't believe it worked in black and white. I can't. Yeah. I really can't. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a keeper right mm. there. I won't sure. do another light trail picture for another five years and it work in black and white yeah. properly. But um, yeah. so I tell you what we'll do then is uh, because we're talking about these photos that, that nobody's actually able to see at, at the moment. And uh, to be honest, I mean, we don't, I don't even know. How it I'm... probably will by the time this airs. Well, yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so what we'll do then is, why don't we do this? Um, so this this will air on the, was it the 24th Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. This Yeah. So this is our Christmas. We don't play Christmas Eve. Well, we're a little bit Christmas Eve today. Not not just Christmassy, Star Wars. Christ- no, right. let's not talk about Christmas right. again. No. <laughs> so, um, what we'll do then is uh, let's, since we're on Instagram, right? Yeah. If you're looking for uh, if you're looking for us on Instagram, you know, go to at um, Camera Shake Podcast. That's it. Um, and give us a follow on Instagram if you are so inclined. But what we'll do is uh, from Christmas Eve, we're going to be posting um, a picture a day, or maybe a couple of pictures a day. Um, on, on Instagram. Maybe we take our, what we consider to be our top five photos of that day. Yeah, exactly. And we'll put them up on there. Yeah, yeah. cool. So you can you can follow our uh, Brighton Adventure um, on, on Instagram from starting from the 24th, yeah. I suppose. That'd be cool. Um, and then obviously we already, we've already recorded an interview for the week after that, so that should be interesting. I'm not going to give away who that was, but no, uh, that should be really, <laughs> should be really cool. Um if you're into wildlife photography, that will be a treat, a treat. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, so, so yeah, so that'd be, that could be a cool thing yep. to do. Um, consider it done. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you'd never be able to see any pictures anyway. But you know, if you um, are, you need to get yourself over to Instagram. Mm, that's right. us on there. Cool. And of course, YouTube. Same sort of deal. Just yeah. uh, hit hit subscribe. YouTube.com forward slash or whatever it is at the minute. Well, exactly. But that's the, that's yeah. the thing. That's the whole point. I mean, this is the this is the weird thing about YouTube is that you have to have um, 100 subscribers until YouTube allows you to name your channel give, and give your channel yeah. a custom name um, so that you can actually say, you know, our YouTube channel is, I don't know, YouTube.com forward slash camera shake podcast, for example. Yeah. And at the moment, it's YouTube.com forward slash something. Um, we're in the at time of shooting. We're in our low eighties, I think we are at the minute. Give or take something like that. Something yeah. like that. So, please. So in the grand subscribe. in the grand scheme of things, we're not too far off. But you know, a few more subscriptions. Yeah. Um, it costs nothing, obviously, but um, but it will make you feel good. It will absolutely. So, um, and likewise, see, here's the other funny thing that, that we discovered. And this all has to do with Apple Podcasts, right? So, so if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take note. <laughs> so, it's it's actually relatively tricky to pop up in Apple Search, like in you know when you're on the podcast on Apple Podcasts and you're searching for like photography, let's say. Tricky is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be really, really, really tricky. And one of the things that will like make it easier for a podcast to be discovered seems to be. Um, the star rating and the uh, the review section. Um, so you know, if you are listening to uh, to this podcast on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, if you you know go to the show and then just you know scroll all the way down, and at the bottom you can give it a star rating and you can leave a little review. And I think the review thing is the one that kind of triggers the search 
the most or something. So, you know, uh, just drop us a few lines and um, let us know how, how you're finding the, uh, the podcast. And obviously, it'd be nice if you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> be cool. Well, why would you be listening? Well, I mean, we're now so far into this episode. If you're still listening to this, yeah, <laughs> then I'm kind of I'm almost convinced you must enjoy it. Um, but yeah, leave us a review there; it'd be fantastic. Um, likewise, we like to shout out uh, some listeners uh, on the show. So, if you let's see, if you're in Taipei, if you're the person in Taipei, wow, then. Get in touch with us. It'd be awesome to uh, to have a chat and see see where you're at. I've um, not seen that. Wow. Yes, we have a listener in Taipei. Hello. Um, yeah, just get in touch. Um, send us uh, send us a message. You can message us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast. Send us a message or messenger or something. That'd be cool. Or you can email us at camera shake podcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can find us on Twitter and all that kind of jazz. Um, the Twitter handle will be down here. It's at Shake Camera, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So, obviously. Obviously. So, yeah. Anyway, get in touch. It'd be super awesome if you're the person in Taipei listening to this. That'd be very cool. We've been thinking about quite a number of different photography projects. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you started a little Instagram kind of project. Yeah, I did. Recently. Yes. Um, I. It was one of those where there's kind of two reasons behind it. One was... I wasn't feeling particularly good mm-hmm. in general. Just all this, you know, we've talked about this on previous episodes and whatnot, the whole situation out there and lockdown and not seeing people and all of that. And it was just got on top of me a little bit. So I've figured I need to pull myself out of that and give myself a little creative project. And I was walking down my sort of local high street and realized I'd never actually, other than maybe a couple of iPhone photos here and there, I realized I'd never actually taken a photo or photos of where I live. And where I live is mm. stunning. Mm. A gorgeous, gorgeous place. I'm very fortunate to live here and, you know, I've lived in the general area for my whole life. Mm. So why not go take, go out every day for, you know, half an hour, mm. an hour, whatever it takes, and just take a photo of something that resonates with me on that day. Cool. And that's what I've been doing. Um, and... It's been great fun. I'm seeing little things that I haven't seen before. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of going through phases of this as well because it's, it's a very small place. So there's only so much that you might want to take a photo of or you can be, frankly, be bothered to keep going. I've, yeah. I've run out of ideas of what to take <laughs> yeah. now. There's a tree in the sun. You know, there's a tree at night. Yes. There's a tree in the snow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, as, as I've gone through it, I've decided, you know, I, I've landed on doing a load of going out in the evening instead because mm. the nights have been drawing in and anyway. Mm. So I started doing a load of light trials in different locations that look, you know, look quite cool. Mm. Um, so I've been been doing a lot of that as well. So it's, but it's been helpful um, mm. just to be a bit more creative and, you know, making myself go out and take a photo every single day. Yeah. You know, if I'm brutally honest, I didn't go out every single day. Because I knew certain work aspects were going to get in the way, and I wouldn't be able to do it. So knowing in advance, I might take two or three on one one day, and just make sure that I've got yeah. something to, to, to put out. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed it. Mm. I've enjoyed it. Go on. So, there you go. That's my little little project at home. Yeah, I think. I mean, it, you know, it's it's an important thing. I think to to you know come up with a project like that. Yeah. Especially when you're in a situation like, you know, the one that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, we talked about this over the summer quite a lot. 
um, you know, when you, you find that you're, you know, almost imprisoned at home and you can't really do the things that you want to do. And, um, you know, it might be, might be a good idea to just have a, have a rethink and just come up with something, something different. Um, and just, even if it's just posting a photo a day, yeah, you know, yeah. um, that can definitely, it can definitely help give you like your purpose. Yeah, I think. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And it did, it has been helping for sure. Um, <laughs> interestingly, um, do you remember when we were doing a car shoot around my way a little while ago and we got politely asked to vacate the area? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that happened to me. <laughs> oh, right. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was taking um, uh, a long exposure at just outside, right outside the main kind of college, right. which looks, it's a cool shot actually. It looks right down the high street and, mm. you know, again, getting the light trails going and whatnot. Look, it's a really cool photo, really cool photo I got in the end. And um, I think he was, uh, they call them masters and dames at Eton College, right? Right. Not teachers, masters oh. and dames. Oh, okay, right. I wasn't aware of that. So um, one of the masters was walking past, didn't, at the time, didn't say who he was. Mm. So he was anybody as far as I was concerned. And I wasn't on private land, I was on the street, mm. just to be clear. And he said, um, what, are you, uh, what are you filming? I'm not. I'm taking a taking a photo. Mm. All right. I mean, take them of the, the 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 students and whatnot. I said, I'm not. It's the middle of the night. It's it was like five p.m. Right. It was dark. Yeah. It's just cars going by. They finished school, and I was just taking a shot of the. I said, I'm just taking a shot of the architecture and down the street. Mm. So, all right. I said, do you work for the college? She said, Yeah, I do. Um, I wish you'd said. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been a little more receptive yeah. to, uh, you know, talking to you about what you're saying. So, it's, sorry, so just to be clear, is there an issue with me taking a photo here right. from the school's perspective? And he said, no, 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 just, I just need to make sure. Yeah, okay, great. Then mm. just say that to begin with, you know, yeah. it's just, please just be, I, I want to talk to you, you know, you, I was just taking a shot at that moment when you <laughs> started talking to me. So, you know, just to introduce yourself, say who you are, I'll show you what I'm doing. Yeah. And that was it. And I did. And I said, look, this this is what I'm doing. You know, if you'd like it, this is where you can find it afterwards as well, if you want. Well, see, I mean, this, this approach has worked for us on several occasions, you know, in the past when we did, when we took uh, photographs of cars, um, in what well, particular in, in the same area, the general area. Yeah. Um, you normally, when you, when you show people what you're doing, they're usually quite happy with it. Uh, yeah. this, you know, on the, the last occasion, that didn't work. <laughs> no, so, no, it yeah. didn't. Which, interestingly enough, I have learned since that they didn't actually have a right to move us on from the location that we were at that moment. This, yeah, I mean, I think there very often are, are questions about this, but then, you know, do you really want to cause a confrontation? No, and, uh, and you don't. This, yeah. What's the point? What's exactly. the point? Because you, you're then just going to look back at that fo- any photo that you have got at that moment and go, oh, I don't yeah. like it as much now. Well, plus you, you're then forever going to be on their hit list yeah. you know, in the future. Yeah. So, and yeah. you just give photographers in general a bad name. Yeah. And that's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think when we're at some point in the future, when we're able to, to, uh, you know, go into London to do some street photography, I'm sure we're going to come across that, um, especially in the, like in the Canary Wharf area and stuff. And all of this, mm, mm, you know, mm, security mm. is hot on your heels when it comes to, um, photographing any of the the landmarks um but then a lot of that space is private property 
although it may appear as though you're on public land, um, a lot of it is actually private land, and uh, and so therefore there's uh, you know there's a lot of security. It's teeming with security apparently. Mm. Um, and I'll move you on. So, should that not be signposted? Um, I guess uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing they're probably signs. So they may be very small. If it is <laughs> private land, but the public are allowed to. Um, walk through, walk on, whatever it might be. A bit like farmers have to allow public pathways and things like that through certain areas because they have such large areas and, and whatnot. Why did I have an issue with someone taking a photo of a building? So, I mean, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, but the way I understand it is is that um, as far as private land is concerned, they can actually, you know, the landowner can determine uh, what the privacy laws are on on their land. So uh, if, the, if the rule is or the decree is that photography is not allowed, then that is perfectly within the rights of the landowner. Um, so therefore, security are within their rights to move you on. What they cannot do is confiscate your gear, take your, um, mm-hmm. your SD card or something like that, or confiscate your camera or anything. They're not allowed to do that. And you also don't have to delete the images if you don't want to. You know, but they can ask you to move on. Um, this using tripods is a slightly uh, somewhat different issue because uh, very often on public highways, for instance, um, you're not really allowed to create an obstruction, right? And so tripods are very often deemed as an obstruction. So therefore, you know, even if you're on public land, you may find that some police officers or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. may ask you to uh, to move on. And I think that's an additional issue with buildings um, being under copyright law or whatever. So there are issues with certain taking photos of certain buildings or whatnot. You know, I think, but at the same time, a tourist would just take a photo on their phone, right? In many respects, it's not the same unless you are obviously planning on selling licensing that photo out. And I think that's often where the where the basic conflict arises is the yeah. you know the intention. And so, you know, what you often find is, I mean, you see tourists walking around Canary Wharf all the time, you know, taking pictures. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's plenty of tourists there. Um, and nobody would, I mean, I don't think security would move tourists on taking a picture. But if you rock up with your massively huge, black, professional-looking camera and a big big old lens and a tripod and you set up, you know, and you're there for like half an hour or an hour trying to get a shot and whatever, then it will start to look like you're not just a tourist and you may actually be there for profitable business interest, if you know what I mean, you know, <laughs> at which point then Segura will have something to say about that. So, th- I mean, that's that's really, I think, it's when the impression is, you know, is, is created that you may be there for more than just a touristy photo um, and you may end up wanting to profit from that photo, maybe sell it. You know, that's the... Here's a question for you then. So let's take, just use Canary Wharf as, as, mm. as an example. You're on that land, didn't know it was private land as such, which I don't think many people would necessarily know. And you went to take a shot and you took a great shot and no one moved you on at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they didn't know you were there, the particular security in that specific area didn't care, or whatever it might be, but no one moved you on or asked you to not take that photo. And you then go and sell that photo. You license it out because it was a great photo. Where do you think you stand then as a photographer with that photo? Are you then, if the owners of Canary Wharf saw that, 
would they have a right to pull that photo, so to speak? Yeah, so basically, um, so th- again, this is how I understand it. I'm not a lawyer. Um, and maybe it might be interesting to actually talk to somebody on the show. Right, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, who, can, uh, who can really clear this up. But the way I understand it is, uh, it's essentially um, that just like you need a model release um, when you shoot a particular person and you then um, wanted to, let's say, for instance, I don't know, you, let's say you shot images for an advertising campaign or whatever. Um, and you shoot, um, you shoot a person. You would want to get a model release from that person. Um, so you also need, with certain buildings, you will need to get a release form for that building, like also like a building release form if you want, mm-hmm. because that particular building might be protected under copyright law or something. Like I don't know. I think, you know, I think uh, what would have the Gherkin or something like that might be one of those. Who knows? Or the Shard or something. All of these bizarre buildings that have bizarre names in London, I don't know why. The Gherk, what is it? The Gherkin, the walkie talkie, yeah. and the, what's the other thing again? The Shard, the Gherkin, the walkie talkie. Canary Wharf's just called Canary Wharf, right? The yeah. tower thing. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, you might, you might have to get a release um, for the building. But again, this might actually be an interesting topic to, to pick up on. I think it works because um, I'm, I'm sure there's laser photos out there. We take, so is the answer that every time you take a photo and there's a building in it, you should. Go and knock on that person's door or that, I that think, company's door. No, I think they're just very specific buildings. Um, you know, that's um, that's my understanding of it. But mm. again, I'm not actually I'm not really familiar enough with that side of street photography or whatever um, that I would know all the incidents. No, no, so, no, but this is my understanding, and so you know, again, it might be interesting to talk to somebody in more detail Definitely. about yeah, that. I love that. Um, but. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's certain protections in place. And of course, I mean, it, you know, also the other thing um, that needs to be said is that um, these kind of privacy laws are different from country to country. Right. Um, so whilst um, in the UK, you can pretty much shoot anything or anybody as long as you're on public land, um, in terms of people, that is. So if you're on public, if you're stood on a public high- highway or like just a public road and you can, in theory, you can you can photograph anybody who's who's on that piece of land because there's no if you're out in public. The idea is that if you're out in public, you don't really have you know an expectation of of privacy when you're mm-hmm. out in public. Mm-hmm. It's different when you're in your own house, in your own garden, or something. You have an expectation of privacy there, but if you're out on a public highway, like walking in a public street, you know, in a shopping street or whatever, and there's somebody with a camera to take a picture of you. You, you really don't have a legal um, leg to stand on. I mean, you can imagine, like, for instance, you know, if you wanted to go, let's say you wanted to go to a skate park and take some really cool skateboard shots of, like, some of these kids are really incredibly skilled, right? And doing all sorts of different maneuvers and tricks or whatever on, on the skateboard. It'd be cool to photograph, no doubt. Um, but I think, you know, rather than just rocking up and, like, taking your, you know, 70 to 200 out, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> start gunning. <laughs> Um, and like random people, it might be a much better idea to actually approach people and talk to them. Basically yeah. say, yo guys, you know, listen, you know, here's my card, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, would you be up for like, you know, helping me up with like creating some photographs? And I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, some, some, there might be some, some people would say like, yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's go, yeah. let's do that. Um, awesome. You know, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, I think I can see how that's, you know, how that could be a bit of a mind. It'd be super interesting to talk to, um, Maybe we'll have a, a guest on the show um, who's like a, 
renowned street photographer. Yeah. Um, and talk to them about those issues. That'd be really cool. Uh, and likewise, it'd be cool to get somebody on maybe from the AOP or something. The, yeah. We can talk about the legal yeah. aspects of it. You know, yeah, we could do that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. All of that's to come in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you know the way things are going we might have to start going back to basics and like podcast from home again yep <laughs> That'd be like back to basics episode two yeah. did we have we only recently had an episode yeah no, I back I to basics. Oh, man. oh no i don't want to do that again please yeah oh, but, uh, who knows right so best of 2020 nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing good has happened in 2020 well um, well, I, yeah. we started this podcast that was one of the things Yeah, it's almost counterintuitive to think about the good things that have happened in 2020 and at the same time it feels like so many bad things have happened yeah. that it's almost a necessity to look back and to find agree. the kind of highlights totally agree so generally speaking We'll talk about like our favorite bits of the within you know within the podcast mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but so generally speaking, what were you like on a personal level? What were your like highlights of twenty twenty? Uh, let me see. Um, you know, uh, you just said it a second ago. Certainly, one of them has got to be starting this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been um, well, it's been quite an amazing thirty five. Is thirty five? 35 weeks, mm. 35. Um, it's been quite an amazing 35 weeks, you know, from, you know, doing this pretty much just you and I for, you know, a few weeks and over Zoom to then being able to do it in person to getting guests on to the point where this is the first one we've done just us for several weeks mm. now, you know, and for the next few weeks, you know, based on the release date anyway. And that's just incredible. Mm. The, the guests that we've spoken to, I had Adam Lerner on, for God's sake, the other day. Yeah. The other week. That's just <clears throat> stunning. Would you have thought back in March, February, that we'd be doing a podcast yeah, throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, no chance. And we'd be chatting with someone like Adam Lerner. Well, not a chance. Not in a million years. Like, I mean, you know, to be honest, um, you know, although we'd, I mean, we've said this many times on the show, but like, although we'd been bouncing the idea around of starting a, a podcast, like even in 2019, you know, originally, um, you know, it's, I, I think it was one of these things where you always think like, okay, well, this, this might be a cool idea. Um, but you know, it's one of these things where you never really think that's the right moment to actually start it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, and from when we first started, I remember like, just trying to work out how we, how we would actually do it remotely, you know? Yeah. And yeah. From things like, well, how how would we film ourselves to how would we deal with the audio, how would we just get the files to each other? I think originally we kind of thought like, oh, well, if I drive over and I just, you know, we do a dead drop with the SD card <laughs> like that. And I ring you, you come outside and you pick up the, well, you know, from there to like, yeah, okay, transferring files, whatever. So, um, so the, you know, initially there was a lot of like stuff that we had to kind of, first of all, you know, work work out how to do. And also like from never having hosted a podcast to like, how do you actually do this? Like yeah. well, where do the where where do those episodes live? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. how does how does hosting work, you know? Um and all of that kind of chat. How do you get podcasts to be on Apple Podcasts? Mm-hmm. Like or you know, how does that even work? 
And it turns out it's all really quite straightforward. Oh, yeah, totally. But if you don't know, you kind of think like, you know, it must be really difficult. And turns out, um, turns out it isn't. You know, so overcoming all of these hurdles, these sort of technical hurdles, then you get to think about, well, okay, so what are we actually going to talk about? I mean, how, how are we going to do this? Is it going to be scripted or like how, what, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, then finding our natural rhythm was another thing. Yeah. You know, I think, um, and, and ultimately, you always find a reason not to start something because you always, you know, you always find like a thing like, oh, we've got to work on this. We've got to work on this. We've got to find a name for it to like, what's the logo going to be? You know, all of that kind of jazz. That, honestly, that stresses me out. And lots of people are like that and they like it for for good reasons. And I've certainly been like that mm. in the past as well. And I don't buy into it. I haven't done for a long time. Mm. Why does something need to be perfect before you start doing it? All you're doing is being afraid yeah, well, exactly. of not putting something out that's not pristine perfect. Mm. Your pristine perfect is not everybody else else's pristine perfect. It's because you're so protective over what it is you're creating. Mm. People don't see it that way, I don't, yeah. I don't think. And when you watch someone else's, all right, we might be slightly different watching someone else's podcast because we now do it, mm. that we can see certain things that other people do. Sure. But in general... No, something doesn't have to be perfect for you to start it. Stop being scared. Exactly. Stop being afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about. Just start and but, develop it over time. Yeah, and it's and we were that was exactly our thought process at the very beginning where we just went, screw it, we're gonna do it. And we're gonna like, you know, Monday what are you doing Monday afternoon? Four o'clock, we're gonna start recording that set. Mm-hmm. So we basically just said that and then <laughs> from then on, you know, and then of course finding the title for the first episode was really easy actually, because it literally was, you know, we just turned around and went like, you know what, done is better than perfect, let's just get it done. Yeah. And so the first episode then turned into, the title of the first episode turned into um, done is better than perfect, which is really, it's, it's really been the motto for this whole podcast all the way through, yeah. is that we just want to just get stuff done and we work on it perfect afterwards, yep. you know. And so we've always uh, done this thing where we figured there's an issue with this or we weren't happy with that, like, I don't know, the audio quality or we had, like, problems with too much, uh, you know, of one voice coming through the mic or whatever. And then, you know, we kind of work on that and trying to fix that and we try something and then it either worked or it didn't and then we changed it again until we just sort of honed it to where yeah. it is now. Um, and, and there were just the stupidest things that you couldn't have foreseen. Like the fact, like from, from where I was, recording you know in in my in my house in my little extension there's a skylight on like in the roof <laughs> oh yes and just <laughs> like all oh, that frustrated me. yeah the stupid thing that that you would have clouds going past and mind you this uh, was like spring right yeah yeah you would have so much sunlight coming through the skylight and then the clouds would go past and it would cut out some of the light and so you look back at the video and one time i'd be lit perfectly and then the next time it'd be too dark and it would just go all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, throughout like the, the hour that the podcast uh, was long, you know? And so you constantly have to adjust that, you know, I mean, simple things you really didn't think about, you know, before that, yep. like, you know, um, originally. And then, and then of course, you know, it got to the point where there was a lot of setup to do every time. And then of course you start thinking of, uh, in terms of like, okay, how can I make this more efficient yep. so that I don't spend an hour setting up you know, and so you kind of really just hone it. You just dial it in over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And this this is probably our fourth different 
in-person setup oh, from sure. a camera stroke or primarily from a lighting perspective than yeah. anything else. And it's our simplest one. Yeah, and you know, this is the other thing, of course, although you know, you would have seen us do many episodes by now um, on the set. Every time it's, it's just a little bit different because we're always experimenting with mm-hmm. different light modifiers, different lighting positions, having different numbers of lights on, you know, and all that kind of jazz. And, and, and we're always trying to make the process easier and yeah. simplify the whole thing and, and getting a better result. Yep. You know, that's exactly. the thing. So, um, so that's, that in itself has been a really interesting process. Yeah. But then, of course, you, you throw into the equation the fact that we got other people on the show and, and ended up talking to other people. And on one hand, it's the, the kind of the photography professionals that have given up their time um, to talk to us, which, again, in the beginning, not in a million years. I mean, we didn't even really think that we would have guests on the show. Not at first. No, no. you know, in the very beginning. It was more like we talk about photography and making videos and whatever all the time, so might as well. You know, record ourselves and just yeah. you know, um, let other nerds listen to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, then uh, we had an opportunity to have a guest on a show. It turned out to be really cool, and we kind of thought, like, why don't we do that more often? And initially, we had guests on that you know that we knew, sort of thing. And then it's kind of it's just derailed from there, where mm-hmm. we're now you know we, we seem to. Um, have guests on that that are getting more and more necessarily only more interesting, but also like it's it's gone into so many different areas of photography. Yeah, yeah. you know, and um, and you know, again, we've said this many times, but, but every time we talk to somebody about a niche in photography that we don't necessarily have that much experience with, we'll learn something new. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and even when we uh, interview somebody like who is let's say a headshot photographer. I always learn something new there because everybody's got slightly different methods and, you know, ideas and, and you know, just thoughts about yeah. the subject that, uh, that just, it just makes it interesting and it just wakes you up sometimes and you kind of go, well, actually I hadn't thought of it yeah. in this way. Yeah. And, um, and as an end result, it makes you, you know, a better photographer, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of sort of the, you know, the, the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, you know, um, and so whether it's, you know, whether it makes you technically a better photographer or whether it just gives you a new mindset sometimes. I think that's a lot of it as well, isn't yeah. it? Um, it is, it is that mindset and, you know, not even overcomplicating things. And you, you can think mm. about certain things in one particular way for so long mm. that you forget that there are, are other ways of thinking about that yeah. and going about it and, you know, you, for example, you may have used a three or four light setup on a headshot mm. in normal circumstances, but I, I know recently you've done a number of um, single light headshots, haven't mm. you? Awesome! It looked great. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's, yeah, simplification is you know is, is at the at the bottom of that. Oh, I'm a big fan of that right at the moment. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> you know, that's um, so that's one thing. But the other thing is, it's just really just uh, you know. Um, there's been so many, so many occasions where we were talking to one of our guests and it was just like, you know, this, I had this like light bulb moment, right? you know, like a good yeah. example would be, um, when we were talking to, um, David Williams, which I'm not really quite sure whether that episode's already aired or not. I think it has probably by now. Yeah. yeah um, it should have. But so, you know, talking to a travel 
photographer and in 2020 and, and legitimately wondering like, what do you do as a travel, uh, travel photographer? You can't travel, you know, which is a, I guess a valid thought, right? Um, but then to think actually, really what you are doing as a travel photographer is you're creating imagery that would make other people want to travel there. Mm -hmm. So when you when you take a step back and you, you think, well, that's actually what you're doing as a travel photographer, that basically means that you as a photographer don't necessarily have to travel if you can find a scene that you can photograph in a way that other makes other people want to go there. That might be a field behind your house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's really that was like one of these light bulb moments where I thought I'd never, you know, I'd never actually thought about that. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know? It's like, uh. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And there, there were like many, um, many moments like that, um, you know. And I can I can go into just uh, I can I can find it in just about every single episode um, where we had uh, where we had a guest on, and I can find something in there where, that just made me think, um, you know. And uh, and this has changed my kind of attitude yeah. to photography, yeah. yeah, or even just you know sparked my interest in a particular type of photography that I really hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, there were moments where we would listen to somebody's story and, you know, although we were like, especially in the summer, we were like in the midst of the full on like lockdown and who knows, we might be heading there again, but, you know, uh, we're like really in the midst of it and everything seemed a bit like depressing and daunting or whatever. And you listen to somebody's story, you know, who's overcome something incredible um, in their life. And it puts everything that you're going through into perspective. That's and actually, it. you walk away, you know, thinking, you know what? It's time to be grateful for things that yeah. we have, whether it's health or whatever. And you know, because there's, you know, there's always somebody else who's potentially who potentially has to overcome problems that are much worse than your own. So stop whining, <laughs> you know, and actually be grateful for the stuff that you have. And at the same time, I think then you know, over time, what that did was to full on realize that actually, you know, we're in a like 2020 has been such a tough year for so many people that uh, who, who are much worse off than we are and, and who are in a much worse place or in a much worse position. And actually, maybe we can use this whole podcast thing to create some content that might actually help somebody else. So, <clears throat> you know, and then uh, that then led to some of my favorite episodes, I think, were the ones where we were um, talking to people about, you know, the... Um, uh, lockdown two. I can't remember what, what it was called. Do you remember when we had oh two point oh? Yeah, um, lockdown two point oh. Yeah, yeah. Episode yeah, where we had yeah, uh, yeah, where we talked yeah. to a number of our previous guests, uh, and uh, and people were giving advice on how to deal with yet another lockdown, and you know from a business perspective, but also from a purely from a personal perspective. Yeah. You know, in terms of mental health and you know everything else, and I kind of thought you know that's. That's really for me. That was really uh, those were like golden moments where like everybody pulled together and everybody we got in touch with, you know, and said like, "Oh, this is our idea. You know, we want to do an episode like this because this might actually help yeah. some people who are struggling." It was just amazing to see how everybody was yeah. immediately on board. And all yeah. of those, all of those guys were super busy at that that week as well, and they made the time to meet yeah. with us and to just answer a few questions about it all and. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I everything every one of them said resonated with me. For sure. Yeah. That whether I already knew it or not, as that was a good thing to do, it was nice to have it reinforced that those are the things that I should be doing. Mm. 
and weren't you know and so i moved ahead and i just made those kind of small little changes in my own life yeah plus you know realizing that of course you know even the people that we spoke to were going through the same stuff yeah because they you know they were all themselves affected by uh by this but you know it's i think when, when you deal with something like pandemic and the impact that it has on your business and your mental health and you find your own coping mechanisms and coping strategies um it's then when you can then share that with other people uh, that would potentially really have an impact you Mm. know um because because it might just spark that something in, in somebody else who's out there really struggling you know and um and so you know we've from that you know we've We've come up with some ideas about a project that hopefully we'll get to do early next year at some point. Um, you know, where we can actually uh create some some stuff that that would actually help artists yeah. um give a bit back. Give a bit back, yeah. So all of these things are like these are like the really like the golden um you know moments that have come out of out of, of just doing this podcast. Having said that, again, if you've actually listened to <laughs> this this episode until now, um, then definitely get in touch and let us know um, if there's anything in particular you want us to cover on this podcast. Um, if there's any anybody in in particular you want us to talk to, or if there's if you want to know anything specific about I don't know cameras or a particular <laughs> I don't know technique or something like that you want us to uh, to talk about, then uh, let us know. Always happy to always happy for suggestions. Um, but yeah, you can get in touch. Uh, either via Instagram, you can send us a direct, uh, direct message there, or send us a message on Facebook, um, or we are on Twitter. Send us a message. Send, send us a tweet. We haven't actually gotten any tweets yet. No. So um, no. one of these things. Um, uh, or what else? Oh, email. Yeah, you can use that thing. Email. Do you remember that? Remember that? Do you remember no. Email? No. no. So that's camera shake podcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Let us know. In fact, get in touch no matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Get in touch and let us know where you listen to this podcast from. That would be super awesome. Um, uh, I tell you what, especially on our little world map that we can see in the analytics, um, you can see you can see like yellow dots and you can see kind of where roughly where people are. But the UK, you can it's just one big blob. Yeah. So it's very it's extremely difficult to to tell where people actually are in the UK. So if you're listening. Um, if you're in the UK and you listen to us, uh, then yeah, drop us a quick line and let us know where you are. It'd be super awesome. Mm-hmm. And also let us know what life is like, uh, where you are. Are you in a kind of lockdown type of a thing? How's the whole thing, uh, the whole COVID thing affecting you? And does it have an impact on your photography or are you, do you live in an area where actually nothing's happening? So, <laughs> you know, uh, that'd be awesome to know too. So get in touch, let us know. It'd be wicked uh, to talk to you. With that in mind, I think we've come to the end of episode 35. Well remembered. Cool. (laughs) It's getting a little bit, I tell you what, it is actually getting a little bit tricky because we've been been pre-recording quite a few of those episodes and quite a few interviews. And it's been tricky to keep track of which episode this is going to be in the I'm going to start pinning it up above the camera. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) So, anyway, um, have a good Christmas and um, make sure you keep listening and have a good time. Stay safe.